Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Congratulations to our winner for the Diamondbacks opening weekend tickets to April 6th contest as they are hosting the Dodgers. Baseball season is here. The Diamondbacks do start their season on the road. They have a four-game set against the Dodgers, two games against the Padres, and then back home once again against the Dodgers April 6th through 9th. It will be a busy weekend with an opening day street festival on Thursday, April 6th. Post-game fireworks on Friday, April 7th, and you can kick off the new season securing your tickets at dbacks.com slash tickets. And here's a couple of different ways for you to win tickets tickets to April 6. You can be a lucky caller uh, as we just had in the last segment or you can download the KDOS 1060 app and follow along with the instructions for what you need to do to be eligible to win a pair of tickets to that April 6th contest. Moving along, let's reset the scene here with today's poll questions and we'll start with was San Diego State's Darian Trammell fouled with 1.2 seconds remaining against Creighton? This is the KDOS1060.com poll question. And yes is now leading the way. We've had a yes, we've had a no, and now we're back to yes. 56% of the vote, no trailing at 44%. Yeah, needless to say, a, a call sometimes that you don't see at the end of games. Uh, but uh, we'll answer that question a little later on. Can't give it away now, right? Yeah, can't give it away. we got to wait until 1130, uh, as okay. we will do with our Twitter poll question at KDOS AM 1060. Have the Suns weathered the so-called storm with this week's return of DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant? Yes, leading the way now at 61.5% of the vote. No trailing at 38.5%. This busted out of the 50-50 tie from earlier. Yeah, and the Suns on the road tonight. DeAndre Ayton expected to be back tonight. The Suns, the team uh, upgraded him to probable on their injury list yesterday. And uh, accordingly, between that and the fact that Utah apparently is going to have several guys not playing tonight, the Suns are actually now seven, seven and a half point favorites uh, in uh, many worldwide locations on the road tonight at Utah. Well, let's stick here with the Phoenix Suns. They're back on the court tonight facing the Utah Jazz, 6 p.m. on Bally Sports, Arizona. DeAndre Ayton listed as probable to return after his right hip issue. Uh, No Kevin Durant, but the last we had heard report-wise that he would be seeking to return Wednesday. As it is for the Suns, though, they had a back-to-back starting Friday night in Sacramento, a 135-127 to loss to the Kings. Uh, some numbers, Kevin Herter was on fire, 29 points, 6 of 12 from 3. DeMontis Sabonis, 27 points on 10 of 15. The Suns held a 67-56 to halftime lead, then 
it seemed like they lost a bit of composure here. Two technical fouls. Things started to snowball here. Stopped scoring some points. And Sacramento went on to win 135-127. to Yeah. Uh, truth be told, I didn't watch any of this game <laughs> on Friday night. Uh, so I just you know, kind of did a running score thing. I was paying attention to that a little bit. But, uh, you know, Sacramento is really good. And they score a lot of points against everybody. And they don't really guard too many people. So not too surprised. It was a high-scoring game. And the Suns' defense, especially without Duran and Aiton, not good. Then they had that back-to-back, as I mentioned, Saturday night hosting the 76ers. The Suns go on to win 125-105. to Joel Embiid, he did play 28 points, 10 rebounds, no James Harden. Tyrese Maxey led the way for the 76ers with 37 points. For the Suns, Devin Booker's numbers, 29 points. T.J. Warren also maybe getting some consistent minutes here, at least of the last couple of games. 27 minutes for him, 7 of 12, 16 points, and 8 rebounds. And maybe the surprise of the contest, uh, Bismarck Biombo, 17 points and 13 boards. Yeah, some of that was against Embiid. I watched some of this game on Saturday night. And uh, actually, I watched you know, the parts I watched this game was kind of the you know, last to a quarter and a half or so and uh, the Suns were kind of in control by that point but uh, Biombo got uh, I know he did some of his damage against uh, Embiid earlier in the game at least yeah, technically against Embiid even though uh, you know sometimes Embiid's not fully engaged it was also the second of two in a row for Philadelphia and Embiid wasn't supposed to play Friday night and he played that game and uh, then he played Saturday night in that game too Well, he played those back-to-back games and now not playing tonight. According to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski here, the the showdown of MVP frontrunners, Sixers are ruling out Joel Embiid and Jokic is being ruled out as well. So interesting there, but that's, I guess, the way it goes. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, welcome to the NBA. And accordingly, that game is, you know, the Denver is a seven and a half point favor in that game tonight. And, uh, We'll see what happens. Also, the big news today is that I mentioned earlier during the sports zone that uh, we, at least at that time, didn't think that Luka Doncic was going to play tonight because he got his 16th technical foul yesterday. That means an automatic uh, one-game suspension, and that game would have been tonight. Well, they've rescinded the technical foul against Luka last night, or yesterday afternoon. I guess that was a day game. Uh, so, uh, you know, Dallas is basically they're playing at Indiana, and uh, earlier in the day when it was assumed by the odds makers and everybody in the world that uh, Luka was not going to play, Indiana was a one-point favorite in that game. And since the NBA has now announced that uh, that technical foul has been rescinded and Luka's playing tonight, uh, the uh, Mavericks have gone from one-point underdogs to four, four-and-a-half-point favorites at Dallas. Or, excuse me, at Indiana, uh, D- Dallas at Indiana tonight. Uh, the Mavericks as well need to win some games. They're now currently in 11th at 36 and 39, and this trade is not working out with Kyrie Irving. Uh, Luka Doncic has been quoted over the weekend as you know saying that this season has been really frustrating and even calling it joyless. Yeah, he seems just to be an unhappy person in general. I mean, between the technical fouls and uh, you know the bitching and moaning that he does during the games. Uh, I think that you can make a case that he bitches and moans more than any player in the NBA, and he shoots a billion free throws. And imagine how mad he'd be if they didn't you know, give him the benefit of the doubt in a lot of plays. 
So they're in 11th. 10th is the Thunder at 37 and 38. The Lakers with LeBron's return off of the bench, they're at uh, 37 and 38 in ninth place. So if we look, though, at four through eight, all of those teams are separated by two games. You start with the Suns in fourth at 39 and 35. They have eight games remaining left on the season in the regular season. The Clippers are at 39 and 36. They have seven games left in the regular season. But also now the Clippers, after the Paul George situation, now status pending. I have not seen a recent update after Kawhi Leonard left the game with a facial contusion. So I don't know, you know, what his status is and how that's uh, progressing along yeah i don't know either that's a good point uh yeah the teams that are least above the con you know the three teams that are the best in the conference at this point you know the nuggets have seemingly gotten together a little bit here with three consecutive wins the grizzlies have really they, they started their resurgence when morant wasn't playing and now he's back and uh, they won six straight the kings have won two in a row and seven out of ten after that uh, pretty much everybody from that point on down, with the exception of Oklahoma City, and I guess you can say Minnesota because it's a le- lesser sample size and so forth, but almost everybody else that you know, divi- you know, basically, quote, fighting for division uh, and conference uh, you know, positioning, those teams are either been really bad lately, uh, certainly have not been good over a 10-game stretch, and uh, it's not like these teams are you know, flying into the playoffs on hot streaks. The Warriors, to your point, they're at 39 and 37 uh, in sixth with just six games left. They have the fewest left out of this. What is it again? The glob of teams. Uh, in seventh, the Timberwolves at 38 and 37 with seven games left on the season. And the Pelicans in eighth at 37 and 37 with eight games remaining for the Pelicans. It's just kind of interesting to see how you know the Suns have been able to hold steady here in fourth, despite concerns about you know, how things have been going here of late. But then when you look at five through even 11 or 12, you look day to day and it's just vastly different. Yeah, it does. I mean, like I mentioned, other than Oklahoma City and I guess a little bit Minnesota here lately since, you know, Anthony Towns has come back. And I don't think any of these teams are playing particularly well. So uh, it's the Suns have benefited from others not being any good, quite frankly. And right now, I think you can make a pretty good case that in the Western Conference that other than those top three teams, I don't think anybody scares anybody. Uh, If the Suns get their players back, maybe they would. But uh, just because Eaton's back tonight and you know, and, you know, Durant's supposed to be back on Wednesday, hopefully they can stay healthy. It's not like those two guys have been pillars of health in the last couple of years. Uh, for the docket tonight, uh, you have the Mavericks and the Pacers, the 76ers and the Nuggets, which now all the steam out of that game has has taken place. The Timberwolves versus the Kings, the Pelicans versus the Blazers, which the Blazers have basically uh, shut it down for the season. And then the Bulls and the Clippers, as well as the Suns and the Jazz on the NBA docket for tonight. So just kind of looking at some of those teams here, the Kings obviously being out in front, but the Timberwolves could help themselves if they found a way to win that contest and the pelicans could continue to help themselves if they're finding a way to uh beat the blazers rough back-to-back situation for minnesota they win last night at golden state and they play tonight also so that's uh you know a lot going on there for them in a 24-hour period i'm sure they would have been thrilled 
if they uh, you told them they're going to split those two games and they've already split those two games with uh, the victory last night against the Warriors and the Warriors kind of fell all over themselves. I watched the last part of that game last night and they uh, went out of their way to screw that game up. I am curious though as to what the the overarching sentiment is going to be in regards to DeAndre Ayton's return because, you know, prior to him going out with injury, it, it was a lot of negative about what he's not doing or what he's not capable of doing. Uh, then obviously having him miss significant amount of time here, the last last four games or so, it's shown that there are some holes here and, and you need to figure out how to, to get the interior um, a little bit more fortified. Yeah. Um, I find it comical that uh, you know, people have been complaining about every son's loss for the last four plus seasons has been because of Aiton. And when he doesn't play, it's because Aiton's not playing when they lose. So it's always his fault, no matter what happens. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the show on the other side of the break. We'll take your calls. In addition to that, uh, the NFL, it is the league owners meetings from the Biltmore this week. In addition to that, Lamar Jackson taking to Twitter and announcing that he has asked for a trade. And his ask of this trade came, according to him, back on March 2nd. So we'll dive into a little bit about all of that and some other NFL topics. Of, of this year or previous years? March 2nd. You know what? There was no year listed. So we're all <laughs> led to believe it was 2023, but maybe that's factually inaccurate. It might have been both years. <laughs> 602-260-1060. That's the number to join the program on the other side of the break. NFL topics as well. It is the extra point here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. to bring KTUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Eleven twenty-one here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Monday. It's March 27th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro. 602-260-1060 is the number to join the program. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the conversation as we dive into the NFL from the weekend and today. Specifically, let's start with Lamar Jackson. Uh, this was just kind of ironic how the timing all worked out. Uh, Lamar Jackson took to Twitter this morning announcing he has asked for a trade from the Ravens. He asked this back on March 2nd. Simultaneous to this tweet going out, John Harbaugh was meeting the media in Arizona at the annual league meetings uh, that are taking place at the Biltmore. And Harbaugh, among some of the things that he said, quote here, when we're playing football next year and Lamar Jackson's the quarterback, we're all going to be happy. So he certainly was taking a positive spin that Lamar Jackson will be uh, the Ravens quarterback trying to do his best not to fuel anything else that came about from this tweet. Yeah, I'm not real sure if this was an accident that, uh, you know, the time that Jackson tweets this out when Harbaugh was actually speaking with the media, because it's my understanding that, you know, these you know, media you know, sessions with all the coaches and 
and so forth uh, during the time here this week are scheduled way ahead of time. So he knew exactly when that time was, I assume. Now, he doesn't have an agent, so I can't blame the agent for you know, basically plotting this out. But, uh, you know, and there's the controversy of who's actually advising him. Uh, which we talked about briefly last week. And I know that NFL Network seemingly spent way too much time on that last week. Uh, so we'll see. But it's just uh, the continuing circus involving Lamar Jackson. And I'm not going to change my tune no matter what happens between now and the start of the season. But if I'm an NFL team, I want no part of this guy. He's just got too much stuff going on. And I don't know how good he is. And the, the fact that his actual accuracy – I know the receivers have gotten worse, but the accuracy has uh, not improved in his uh, now you know, you know several seasons in the league. So there's several players you know across the different sports that you wonder to yourself, you know, is the the headache worth all of this here? And so maybe yeah. you know, kind of to, to your point, uh, that's where you're at with Lamar Jackson. But teams do take on headaches, so. What teams would potentially be interested in trading for Lamar Jackson? Uh, you know, the, the Colts need a quarterback. Would the Jets go out and trade for him as opposed to whatever's going on with Aaron Rodgers? Would the Vikings be interested in something like this? Or would even the Atlanta Falcons be interested in this? I don't know that there is a robust market, though. Well, some of those teams have already said they're not interested, right? Yeah. Uh, publicly said that they're not interested, so... I don't think this is just a me thing. I think there are a lot of teams and a lot of uh, executives in the league that are uh, in owners in the league. I'm sure ownership has something to do with this uh, because I assume if a team comes out like Atlanta and says we're not interested, that the the higher-ups in the ownership has to be at least informed of that before you publicly say we don't want them. It'll be a fascinating situation and how this is all going to work out. You know, I know that he's said it. It's whether or not he's willing to back it up. Is Lamar Jackson willing to sit out a year of football if he doesn't get a trade now, if he doesn't get his guaranteed contract? You know, what is the actual end game here? And is he willing to go so far as to sit out a year? I don't know. He's already turned down more money than he's going to get. So uh, no matter what, you know, let, let's say, you know, let's, let's the Cleveland Browns somehow become involved in the bidding process because they're the, uh, that's where all this started with their uh, contract with Deshaun Watson. He's back. Bobby Wagner, he's going back to Seattle on a one-year $7 million deal. Uh, you know, with where Seattle's currently at, do you like this return? Yeah, can't hurt. I mean, they need some linebacker help. He wasn't particularly good. Uh, I should rephrase that. He wasn't nearly as good uh, last year with the Rams. Uh, you know, he didn't make a whole lot of impact plays. I remember he made a couple against the Cardinals uh, in the uh, first game that they played last year. But, uh, you, know, you know, the players around him probably weren't as good. He wasn't as familiar with the system whatever. Uh, other than Aaron Donald, uh, I mean, they're, in fact, he didn't even have that good a season last year compared to previous years with the Rams. It was just kind of a, it was kind of a mess, and uh, I'm sure that they expected more out of Wagner. And uh, you know, the Rams aren't keeping anybody. They they let go a couple more defensive players over the weekend, or they didn't let them go, but they didn't resign them, and they signed elsewhere. Uh, then you have Zane Gonzalez being traded to the 49ers, barring that he passes his physical. Uh, so Robbie Gould's time in San Francisco, the end of an era. 
Yeah, Robbie Gold, uh, my guy, uh, won me a fantasy championship one year on the final minutes of the of the uh, fantasy season. So I have a soft spot in my heart for him. Uh, he's been pretty good for a long time. Zane Gonzalez, former ASU player back in the day. Uh, you know, you know that you know, they're not going to trade for him unless they obviously are going to you know trade for a kicker. You're not going to. Uh, you're going to make sure that he's playing for you, I assume. So he's the guy. Uh, then you have Sean Payton making a couple of interesting comments this weekend. First up this week, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are not up for trade, according to Payton. Well, I mean, I know he said that, but I mean, you know, we've had like seemingly daily trade rumors involving those guys for weeks. So something's going on there. Uh, you know, either that or they just haven't gotten any decent offers. And I don't know if, uh, you know, Peyton's into the, uh, let's uh, speak in the, you know, let's speak publicly about their situation and see if we can get better offers. Uh, then the other interesting thing that he said today is that, uh, Jarrett Stidham, uh, could be a starting quarterback. Is he trying to fuel some fire here for, for Russell Wilson to not have the season he did last year? I don't know. You say a starting quarterback with the Broncos or like the USFL or the XFL or something. He could start for those leagues, I bet. Uh, but uh, you know, I'd be. You know, they'd have to be a complete disaster or an injury if uh, Wilson's not the starter for the Broncos to start the season at least. A couple other things are taking place because these are the uh, NFL owners meetings, so different things are being voted upon. It looks like owners are going to vote on whether or not sports books inside NFL stadiums can be open on game day. This is just kind of interesting because if you remember back in 2015, uh, all the controversy that surrounded Tony Romo and how he was doing like a fantasy football convention and that he had to cancel it because all of the conventions and things that he was going to be taking place a part of uh, were going to uh, be taking place in casinos. And so he had to cancel all of that. That was just in 2015. Now owners are going to be voting on whether or not sports books inside NFL stadiums can be open on game day. This seems to be just a complete conflicting of interest thing from the NFL, who obviously uh, is in bed with uh, many uh, you know, sports books now in a variety of ways. And uh, they're going to you know, limit uh, what's going on in game days inside the stadiums. I don't understand. I mean, it's either do one or the other. Uh, then you also have a couple of things rules-wise that, that is going to be voted upon. Roughing the passer. Uh, we had plenty of conversation about what took place with roughing the passer this season. It, it seemed like a lot of times uh, plays were called roughing the passer when they really weren't. Uh, it seems like defensive players are really trying hard not to land on top of a quarterback. They're doing what they can, and yet sometimes these penalties are still called. So the proposal was to review roughing the passer. Uh, interesting, though, because what I saw this morning was that it looks like there will not be enough support to make roughing the passer a reviewable play, but it did spark enough for you to hear that uh, there is going to be plenty of interest in making it a reviewable play. Apparently so. Um, yeah, I don't understand how you can do that. It sure. I know that there were numbers in the second half of the season. I assume that these didn't change by the end of the season, that there were fewer roughing the passer penalties called in the second part of the season, or the second half, so to speak, than there were in the first part. You know, whether it was the defensive players trying to kind of uh, – 
kind of understood what they can or cannot do or whether they just quit calling it because there's been plenty of professionals in collegiate sports for that matter where they crack down these rules to start a, se- start a particular season and by the time you get to X number of weeks into the season, they just kind of you know decide, well, maybe we're not going to call that anymore. goes from point of, a point of emphasis type of thing uh, to uh, you know, almost no emphasis at all uh, at some point. And that's, uh, that certainly happened. I'm not sure. I don't think that necessarily happened with this last year. It seemed like defensive players kind of understood the, the rule a little bit better. You can't land on the quarterback and put all your weight on it or whatever. It seemed like there was a lot less of that. In fact, I don't think there's any question. There was a lot less of that the second half of last season in the NFL. The interesting thing for me is that I'm not exactly sure – how you can make roughing the passer uh, a reviewable play because it already sort of seems to be subjective anyway. So I'm not really sure how challenging is going to overturn the subjective nature of it. I totally agree with you. I'm guessing that uh, the only thing you can really judge is the landing on your body weight and the quarterback thing. That seems to be the one thing that seems to be somewhat universal. From refereeing crew to refereeing crew, maybe they should just try to figure out. I'm sure somebody has, uh, you know, whether you know certain crews, you know, call that penalty more than others. I know that there's, you know, there's, you know, some studies out there from some of the gambling sites and so forth that, you know, which crews actually call the most penalties. But I'm not sure if they. I assume they probably have it broken down by what the penalty actually specifically is. And the other rule that was certainly taking uh, things by by force was the Eagles and how successful they were on those fourth down short yardage plays where they just pushed Jalen Hurts forward. He converted a lot of fourth downs. He scored a lot of touchdowns because of that particular play uh, and that there was a lot of conversation about whether or not that's allowed and should that be allowed moving forward because some of the argument here was that it's more of a rugby style play versus a football play. But there seemed to be a lot of outrage by it, but then some teams really seem to be in support of it. And the last I saw this morning is that it looks like uh, there will not be enough support to make this an illegal play moving forward. This just seems to be a complete jealousy thing from the teams that weren't smart enough to think of it before the Eagles. It's amazing that really nobody did. But here's the other thing. How much of this is based upon Jalen Hurts and, you know, he he is able to squat like 600-plus pounds. So, <laughs> he, you know, it's his ability to be able to drive those legs and push the pile forward in addition to the help from that he's getting from behind him. But, you know, can every single quarterback be as successful as Jalen Hurts doing it? No, probably not. But, I mean, once again, I think the Eagles deserve credit for that because they understood the strengths, no pun intended, of their quarterback and took advantage of it. And, uh, obviously, it helped them a lot. Uh, You know, I don't know if they won a game specifically because of that, you know, certain play, but, I mean, it certainly helped them. And it was was a 32 out of 34 times that they had that short third and fourth and short type of thing that 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 – that worked out for them. It was some insane percentage that they mentioned. I know during Super Bowl week we heard that quite a bit. Yeah, we absolutely did. But, you know, I've kind of tossed back and forth on this a couple of different times. But to, to your point, 
absolute credit to the Eagles for, you know, realizing that this is well within the rules and that their quarterback is capable of doing it and going out and executing it because we see evolution of things take place. People are always trying to find different advantages that work for them and their team. So kudos to them for finding it, uh, practicing it and executing it to almost near perfection. I'll add one more thing. It also helps that you have the best offensive line in the league when you can do these things. That's true. And several of them are back. That would be true. More than expected, I guess, too. Also true. Yes. Uh, I wonder if it would have been different if they would have won the Super Bowl. (laughs) Um, I I think the rule thing was kind of a big deal before the Super Bowl, though, right? Because we heard plenty of it. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant how many offensive linemen would be returning. Oh, I don't know. Well, I yeah, I don't I'm not sure because I think it was a salary cap thing. I remember we talked about that like the day after the Super Bowl, right, or the week after. Yeah, you know, how many of these guys are gonna be able to keep? And I think it's pretty surprising how many guys throughout their entire team they'd be they'd be able to keep at least to this point of the off season. Poll question time on the other side of the break. KDUS1060.com and on Twitter at KDUSAM1060. We answer the questions on the other side of the break. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro with you as we turn our attention to answering the poll questions for the day and controversy in the Elite Eight between San Diego and Creighton. So we go to the question, was San Diego State's Darian Trammell fouled with 1.2 seconds remaining against Creighton? Yes or no, Bob? Yeah, I can't believe there's yeah, actually I, I I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible, but it's not going to be short. I can't believe this is a big deal. I think the majority of the people who think this is a big deal watch a whole lot more NBA than they do college basketball when there is you know, more of a quote star system or you know, let them play at the end of the game type of thing. But in, in college basketball, that's a foul. A lot of the time, and a very high percentage of the time. And, you know, I'm not blaming Barkley and Kenny Smith on this, but how many college basketball games do they watch? I think if you've listened to them the last two weeks, they don't. And they're not, they shouldn't be required to. That's not their jobs. And the fact that they are, you know, on CBS and TNT during these games, just, you know, I think it's just a funnel of misinformation from those two guys in college basketball, unfortunately, I think they've also dragged down Clark Kellogg to their level uh, during the last couple of weeks because Kellogg spends most of his time you know, being as nice as he can, correcting you know, what Barkley and Kenny Smith have said that is just ridiculously stupid. And this discussion they had for about six or seven minutes yesterday, I actually should have timed this, about that play, I mean, this is not the NBA It's college basketball. It was a foul. Clark Kellogg was very upset. He is definitely, uh, 
quote unquote, I would say maybe even borderline screaming at that point during that uh, conversation that they were having uh, about whether or not this was a foul. Um, I am on the side that, yes, it was a foul. At no point did I think it wasn't a foul. I guess the only thing that for me looking at this here is that was it really a foul called the entire game? And what I mean by that is that there were just 22 total fouls called. Creighton shot 10 of 11. SDSU was 4 of 6. So was this a consistent thing that was called from start to finish? Or was this type of call in a more um, that where they were just allowing them to play a lot more and be more aggressive earlier in the game? And then with 1.2 seconds left to go, they called the foul. It has to be consistent throughout the game would be my argument in return that it is a foul. So if it's going to be a foul, then it has to be consistent from start to finish. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd have to go back and look at the whole game, but while I was watching the game, I didn't think that uh, there was you know a whole lot of excessive stuff going on in that game, especially for a San Diego State game, a physical team. I already mentioned about you know, Creighton and yeah, you know, how many shots they missed at the rim, and most of those were uncontested or you know shots you would expect teams to make. So I don't know if that played a role or not, but. Uh, you know, I just it never crossed my mind that you know that should not have been a foul. I mean, not for one second. And then, I'm, you know, here we are, almost 24 hours later, and it's still a big deal. The masses are on the yes side of things at 56% of the vote. No sitting at 44%. This is uh, online, kdos1060.com. Moving over to Twitter, at kdosam1060. So the reports are DeAndre Ayton probable for tonight's game as the Suns are in Houston. Shams reporting that Kevin Durant uh, is likely to return on Wednesday. The question, have the Suns weathered the so-called storm with this week's return of DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant? Uh, it obviously helps tremendously to get these two players back. Uh, Kevin Durant, we could have a conversation just about how great he is, how much of a pure shooter he is. His Obviously, his point production is sorely missed. We even talked a little bit about how good he is defensively as well, maybe underrated in that category. So there's a lot that he does on the court that uh, when you're trying to substitute somebody else in place of him, it's a massive drop-off. Uh, so... Just having him back on the court, I think, is an, a, a massive help. But uh, we have to also realize what has taken place here without them in the lineup. And I really hope that there is going to be something more established moving forward with the rotation. Now, that if, when they come back, do we know who the guys are going to be first off the bench? Do we know who's coming in in place of certain players? It seems like TJ Warren has recently gotten more run here. Offensive production, we know he's, he's totally capable of scoring at will. What is he going to be able to provide to you on the defensive side of the ball? Terrence Ross has gotten some playing time as well. So how is this rotation really going to start to fill out? I think it's time that in conjunction with Kevin Durant coming back and DeAndre Ayton coming back, that this all starts to fall into place if this so-called storm is going to be weathered. Yeah, I think they weathered the storm, and a lot of it has to do with the rest of this conference just kind of sucks. At least, let's rephrase that. The teams that this, this glob of teams that I've, you know, we've referred to for several games now or you know weeks for that matter, these teams aren't playing very well. In fact, if you take a look at the Suns and the Clippers and the Warriors 
and uh, the Timberwolves, the teams that are directly below them, and the Pelicans and the Lakers and the Thunder, and also the Mavericks. That goes all the way down through 11 teams. And if you want to go to the Jazz, that's 12 teams. None of those teams, zero of those teams, have won more than uh, actually six of their last 10 games is the best for any of those teams in the stretch. So the fact that these other teams did not take advantage of the fact that the Suns were not doing well, and were actually, uh, and the Suns have actually won five out of their last 10 games, no matter, no, sorry, four out of 10, no matter you know, who they've had in there or not, and how bad their defense has been, etc. They've really benefited from the fact that the rest of these teams in this conference, three below the top three teams, none of these teams, quite frankly, have played very well for weeks. And uh, it's certainly uh, helped the Suns tremendously. And they're, they were in the fourth place when Durant went down, and they're in fourth place now. Uh, yeah, I think that makes a very good point that nobody in the West out of the uh, blob of teams has really put their stamp on things and say, hey, we're going to ascend here. We're going to start getting it together. You can certainly you know, make cases for, for the Warriors uh, still unable to figure out what to do on the road, which is kind of interesting. You can certainly talk about. Uh, you know how the Clippers now have some serious injuries to, to focus on and so whether or not all of a sudden the Pelicans are back involved here they still don't have Zion back there's just a lot that's kind of uh, take one step forward two steps back in this west if you will yeah it's not good um, you know, hopefully you know, teams will have you know some of their players back by the playoffs and uh, between the college basketball tournament that uh, you know we've uh, gone through for the you know really the season, the college basketball season, I've never seen more injuries to key players in college basketball, and this load management thing it, to me has just become an epidemic, uh, as far as especially if you're interested in betting on games and if you're interested in betting on games, I can't imagine that there's too many people. Uh, that are involved in uh, pre-game betting. I imagine a lot of it has to do with uh, in-game or at least when you know who you expect to play in games. However, that can even get you into trouble because there's been at least a few times, I'm thinking of the Sixers in general here, that you know they've announced before the game that Embiid's playing and he doesn't. After they've announced that he's active for the game and uh, you think, okay, that's good. Maybe I make a move here. And then they, uh, they say that he's not going to play. That happened on Friday night uh, that they indicated for hours that he wasn't going to play. And they ended up playing the game on Friday night at Golden State. And they ended up getting beat in that game, too, as it turned out. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the load management. And we talk about Greg Popovich as being a, you know, world-class head coach and obviously what he did with the Spurs and their dynasty, if you will. But do we also have to put load management on him and his legacy? No, absolutely not, because he was joking about the whole thing. I mean, at least he told you ahead of time. He didn't lie to you, uh, to my recollection at all. He just, you know, they had the... The game here is that Duncan was, you know, showed up on the uh, inactive list, you know, like right before they played the Suns, and they just, he just put they just put down old. That was the reason he didn't play. And you know, like I said, I, you know, to me, they didn't mislead you or lie to you or 
you know, give you incorrect information. Uh, so, you know, now you don't know what the hell is going on from, you know, day to day and hour to hour, quite frankly, in a lot of these injury things. And it's just, a, it's become a damn joke. Yes, out in front, 64.3% of the vote. No, sitting at 35.7% uh, as part of the Twitter poll question. Have the Suns weathered the so-called storm with this week's return of DeAndre Ayton and Kevin Durant? Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. The Suns, they are taking on the Utah Jazz tonight, 6 p.m. on Bally Sports Arizona with um, the Suns in Utah expected, listed as probable, I should say, for DeAndre Ayton for tonight's contest. We wrap up. And along those lines, the Jazz have four of their players that are listed as out for this game, but who knows if they'll play today. They listed them out yesterday. We wrap up this edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. A final time here for you today, baseball season. The D-backs will face the Dodgers April 6th through 9th during their opening weekend series. The Diamondbacks start the season on the road. Four games against the Dodgers, two games against the Padres, then back here hosting the Dodgers April 6th through 9th. It'll be a busy weekend with an opening day street festival on Thursday, April 6th, and post-game fireworks on Friday, April 7th. Visit dbacks.com slash tickets for opening weekend. Tune in weekdays to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp from 9 to 10 a.m. on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and with the KTUS 1060 app. Seventh edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it's thank you time. All right. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, singular, uh, Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation. We went through uh, the final four teams with Ricky in a variety of ways. And uh, he was uh, at the uh, Texas and uh, he was at the uh, games in Kansas city the last you know, few days. Uh, so he went through uh, you know, the Texas and Miami of Florida game in a little more detail with Ricky. So check that out via podcast. If you missed that sound of day, courtesy of CBS, TBS, Valley sports, Arizona, ABC, ESPN, KNBR in San Francisco, the Giants flagship station and WFAN, the Yankees flagship station, as we had a couple Yankees, uh, unfortunate pitching highlights with 40% of their rotation starting the year on the injured list. You know, maybe stealing from the NBA. Uh, as always, special thanks to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3. The uh, Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7. And James Out West from 7 to 8 tonight. 
ASU baseball swept the U of A yeah. over the three-game set this past weekend. This is the first sweep of the Wildcats since 2019, and ASU currently sits atop of the Pac-12 standings. Their Pac-12 record five and one. USC is at seven and two. Stanford six and two. UCLA six and three. And ASU will play at Cal this weekend. But the first sweep of the Wildcats for the ASU Sun Devils since 2019. Yeah, I actually thought it'd be, I thought it'd be, you know, UVA's been pretty good here most years lately. So, uh, to me, uh, that was a little surprising that uh, I thought it'd be like 2015 or something, even though I think, that's that the year the UVA went to the national championship game uh, and won the national championship one of those years? So, yeah, that's good for ASU, obviously, and uh, the Pac-12, uh, you know, into conference play now, a couple weeks into conference play. Uh, John Rothstein reporting that Alabama and Arizona are finalizing an agreement to play a neutral site game at the Footprint Center on December 20th. So uh, Greg Byrne got his little tentacles in that one. There you go. I mean, he'd have to change his logos. He was from one U of A to another U of A uh, as far as the uh, former athletic director in Tucson and uh, a little more uh, stress, I'm guessing, in Alabama, especially considering it happened. And, man, did they flame out on uh, – what day was that, Friday? That they uh, got beat in the tournament. And uh, I think they were like 3 of 27 or something from three-point range. And, uh, you know, something that we talked about during the season, some with Alabama, is those dudes, they, they shoot too many three-pointers anyway. They don't have to shoot that many three-pointers, but they continually did, and uh, they were done. And contributed to SDSU's incredible uh, holding opponents to like 17% (laughs) from behind the arc. Good point. Really good point. And then, uh, but also three other teams contributed to that for SDSU. That is true. Uh, As always, thank you for listening to The Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Apple and Android users, feel free to download the KDOS app and take advantage of the listener rewards available to you. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp with you tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic Monday. Bob will talk to you then.